The book of Sirach sets the tone for our readings today. The first sentence, if you choose, you can keep the commandments and they will save you. If you trust God, you will live. Right now, there's this um, beautiful, oh, it's a great uh, podcast. Maybe you could do a pre-Lenten warm-up. It's called The Catechism in the Year by Father Mike Schmitz. I'm up to date. So just wanted to let you know that. Because it's kind of hard sometimes you forget, backs up. Oh, man, I'm behind two episodes. So I really just try to get it in so I don't have that uh, catch-up fever. In the Catechism, number 1731, it states about this choice, about freedom. Freedom. Freedom is the power rooted in reason and will to act or not to act, to do this or that. And so to perform deliberate acts, actions on one's own responsibility. And by free will, one shapes one's own life. Human freedom is a force for growth and maturity in truth and goodness. It attains its perfection when directed toward God, our beatitude. Very simple number. In literature, literature is chock full of this freedom dilemma of what to do, what to choose. There's that one poem, I'm sure many of, our, many of you have memorized it when you were in high school, from Robert Frost, Two Roads That Diverged in the Wood. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages hence. Two roads diverged in the wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and it has made all the difference. That choice, the correct choice, makes all the difference. In Scripture, I mean, we just, what we read today as well, I mean, there's chock full of choices. And Jesus is truly elevating the game here. Not the minimum, he's bringing it up a lot higher. But going back to the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, I love this, where Israel had been traveling, wandering 40 years in the desert, and now they're on the cusp of going into the promised land. And Joshua then just stood up and stated, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Freedom does shape one's life for better, if it's done in truth and goodness and love, or worse, if we choose selfishness. From Syrac again, it says, Before man are life and death, good and evil. Whichever he chooses shall be given to him. So oftentimes I hear this question, why, how can God be so good that he sends us to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. If we choose it, 
As Paul himself was saying here as well, look, we can choose life. We can choose it. And what's wonderful, he had a beautiful vision of heaven and all he could do was say, was write down what eye has seen, what ear has heard, has not entered into our hearts, has not entered our wildest imagination. What God has planned, what he has for those who love him. And that's a choice. Knowing and choosing can be difficult. It requires discernment. And how easy it would be if we just had the, well, just, you know, oh, we were just following rules, you know, like robots, just, just follow, just do. And, I mean, God didn't create us that way. He created us with freedom. Now, animals follow rules. It's called instinct. And they follow them. We have instincts, but they're not rule-abiding, you could say. We have these passions, and they can run amok. What guides them? What rules them? Reason and will. That's what rules them. And that's what is our freedom. Rules are important, though. We have to have rules. I mean, you've got to have some, but we don't, they, they're not, like, controlling us. But we need them. So, for example, today's game. Today's game, you know, it's, if you don't follow the rules, I mean, it's not even football. Let's say he just starts kicking the ball wherever he goes. Well, that's a type of football. It's rugby. It's not American football. There are rules to it which make the game so exciting. And thank God we have that instant replay, right? I want to see that instant replay. In fact, I was talking with someone the other day. Was, um, these kids, they were, um, they had this, they were playing something. I think it was capture the flag. That's what it was, capture the flag. And one of the dads was videotaping it. And, you know, the argument broke out. I got you. No, you didn't. I... Instant replay was there in slow-mo. And it was settled. He was out. You know, but, you know, that, but we are not called to live simply dictated by rules. We're called to live according to the great commandment of love. God has made us in his image and likeness. And that image, what is God? God, John... The Gospel of John, or the letter of John, that evangelist, when he was 90 years old, scribbled out, Deus caritas est. God is love. And that's, that is the great challenge to live. That is the rule. That is the rule to live. Blessed are they who follow the law of the Lord. The law of that Lord Jesus has spoken it to us. Love God with all our heart, all our soul, with all our mind. And not just our neighbor as ourself. In the Last Supper, he jacked it up to a higher level. As I have loved you. That's how you are to love. Oh, Lord. That high? Yes. Because I'm going to help you. 
All that we wrote, read today in this gospel is impossible to fulfill. Impossible without God's grace. Therefore, we lean on him. We lean on him. We fail. Sure, we fail. We fail a lot. But one thing is failing, and the other is being stuck in failure. And that's usually wrapped around feeling sorry for oneself. We fail, but what's important is not that we fail, but that we get up and we ask the Lord for forgiveness. And not, and not to kind of chuckle it away. Like, oh yeah, I mean, the Lord knows. Look, if there's something serious, we need to go to reconciliation and get it lifted. I mean, that's what Jesus, he instituted this beautiful sacrament. It's not like priests like enjoy sitting there, you know, like I just sit down at a little box, you know, like it's got a nice recliner and it's got some cup holders or whatever and just kick back. You're sitting there and you're listening to suffering that has taken place in one's heart. And there was, uh, you know, I'm not revealing anything, but someone came yesterday after a long time. Again, this is, I said, oh my gosh, you're my treasure chest for today. I'm waiting for you. And I said, you're going to feel so much better after, reconciliation, after the absolution. And that person certainly was. Mercy is a gift. I have a friend. He's a psychotherapist in Berwyn there. And uh, he was telling me, Father, if people were to go to confession, actually more, I think we would have a lot less business. Some might go out of business. Because there's something that happens when this guilt, this sin is lifted with God's mercy. And, we sh- and how, do, therefore, the attitude we go to the reconciliation, how should it be? It should be one that's running toward Jesus, not running away. And there's a great example with this. I finished St. Teresa, or Therese of the Little Flower, says the following. Near her, the end of her life, she wrote, Most of all, I imitate the conduct of St. Mary Magdalene. Her loving audacity, which charms the heart of Jesus, also attracts my own. Yes, I feel it. Even though I had on my conscience all the sins that can be committed, I would go my heart broken with sorrow and throw myself into Jesus' arms For I know how much he loves the prodigal child who returns to him.